The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. The father of the bar and the holy toast. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I am Will Anderson and guest Charlie. Oh, a brand new guest, Charlie. Very exciting. Uh, Dan Illick is here. Hello, Dan. Uh, hello, Will Anderson. And uh, hi, Charlie, if you're listening. And uh, Charlie, don't worry. I know nothing about superheroes. I know nothing about comics. I know nothing barely about movies. I cannot... I cannot even scratch the surface of being you. You're the anti-Charlie. I'm the anti-Charlie Clausen. If we were going to do an Australian Twins gritty reboot, it could be you and Charlie as the lead characters. And I think it would be beautiful. This is not to say that I'm anti-Charlie, no. which I'm not. No, that, there's different to be the opposite of Charlie. That's right. And being anti-Charlie. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people are the opposite of Charlie. Oh, yes. But they love Charlie. Not everyone can be uh, well-built, handsome, with a jaw that can cut ice. No. <laughs> not many people could. Not, not many people, people can. No, Charlie can? Charlie can. I can't. No. I suck so, my thumb as a kid. I've got he, a very weak jaw. <laughs> is that how you get a weak jaw? Yeah, sucking your thumb. That's are how you, you get a weak jaw. Yeah. Well, that's what the orthodontist told me when I was considering snapping my jaw and bringing it forward. Yeah. Which I haven't done. Well, now, did you seriously consider that? Yeah, when you were like, when I was like 15 or something. Right. That was, you know, a decision that uh, my parents decided not to do. They're like, oh, no, let's not snap his jaw and move it forward. Let's just let him, let him suffer with a weak you Were you pro-jaw snapping? Or you yeah, I was, up for, I was up for cosmetically fixing my face. Right. Yeah, I was like, shit, I'm not going to get any with this jaw. This is a very weak jaw. Right. I'm not a cowboy. I'm just... I look like a look like a senator without a mandate. That's what I look like. <laughs> no, but here's the thing: like for the, your chosen career, yeah, your face works very well. Yeah, uh, I have a funny face. You have a funny face. Yeah, I'm an everyman. But I don't mean I, I, I certainly don't mean that in any dismissive way. Thank you. I somebody once said there are people who do funny, right. and there are people who bring funny to the table. Right now, I I consider myself to be a person who does funny. Right, I am. In as of myself, not a particularly funny person, you know. <laughs> sure, but I do funny as my job. Yeah, I do funny. Right? There are people who bring funny to the table, and I'll give you a good example of someone who fits into that category. Will Ferrell. Will brings Ferrell funny to the table. Brings, brings funny, funny to the, the table. table. Brings funny to the, the table. The minute that he gets there, yep. he's funny. Right? You know You're already like, oh, this will be great. Uh, I mean, it'll be hard for him to deliver bad news because exactly. people will be like, oh my god. I and I think you bring funny to the table. Well, well you look like something funny to that happen. <laughs> I now have soggy pants, uh, if that's what you're referring to. Uh, well, I know that there are, well, thank you, but I, I also feel like I'm generally not a funny person and I have to work pretty hard at bringing that funny to the table as well. So That's interesting. That's, that's what I feel. I feel like I have to hustle harder than everyone else because I'm generally not as as funny as other do people. you think that you would have chosen a different career if you had a different face probably what that's a good question will anderson so you got your jaw let's just go back to that <laughs> i don't know if that, i don't think so let's go to that sliding doors moment are you sitting in the orthodontist chair with my mum yeah. I think my mum was thinking about the checkbook not necessarily my jaw right. or, or the future benefits to my sex life uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah I would have been probably Hamish McDonald if right. I had a if I had a proper face okay nice. <laughs> now um what I wanted to mention because you might not have noticed this because we didn't really stop down and say hello sure uh, but in the front uh, of my house as you came in today. I saw some people there. Yeah, they're filming. What are they filming? Uh, well, it looks like they're filming a porno. <laughs> right. Because for two reasons. One, uh, the entire wall of my bedroom is a mirror. So the bedroom already looks a bit porno. That's very difficult to film in. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's a good point. There's got to be a lot of reflections. Yeah. Uh, no, they're filming. I don't know. It, but anyway, it's Charlie. Charlie is... Charlie's here. Yeah. Charlie! <laughs> 
I mean, clearly I am doing this podcast behind Charlie's back, you know. Does he know? Well, you know. Oh, right. Okay. right I mean, like, I, I waved. Yeah, I've met like Charlie once before. <laughs> We're just going out the back to do nothing, Charlie. <laughs> you guys keep filming a little porno up the front. Uh, yeah, but this is the first time that I've literally done it behind his back. How do you feel about like, it? What does that make you... Yeah. We both know we're seeing other people, but this is the first time that, you know, it's actually been rubbed in the other person's face. Does he have another podcast? No, but he has Home and Away. Oh, right. That's sure. why. Sure, sure, Home sure, and Away sure. uses other people. How do you... That's what took him away from the podcast. How do you feel about Home and Away taking him away? You know what? I... Yeah, I actually feel okay about it. Do you? I've been seeing other people. I've been enjoying yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps it fresh. <laughs> Keeps it fresh. That's good. Cool. I mean, Charlie brought a lot of things to the table. Didn't he knew it? how to record the podcast. <laughs> put One, it on the internet. Two, two. Like, he was very practical. Sure. I've had... To, but you know what? I feel like I've grown as a person. Yeah. I've learned how to badly record the podcast. Look at this. Look, when I first met you, yeah. uh, I, I think I first one of the first times I met you was in the Triple J studios mm-hmm. and you were sitting there doing um, breakfast with, with Adam and you were doing doodling on the newspaper and you said, um, my contract says I don't have to touch any of that shit. Yes. I'm just here to do it the was written into my. <laughs> it was written into my contract that I didn't have to touch the buttons. And now here you are, uh, you know, that 15 years later yeah. in front of a laptop, pressing buttons, recording things with microphones, right. putting on the internet. You've changed, man. You've, I know. You've geeked it up. Not not much though, right. as anyone who's listened to this podcast regularly knows. Yeah. It's surprising that somebody could do something for now, well, this will be nearly 60 episodes mm. and still nowhere near get it right. It does sound like we are recording it in an Armitage Shanks, Shanks factory, doesn't it? It's, well, uh, this is the problem. The, the pod cave, as I've named this uh-huh. space, uh, at the moment is not particularly, se- like, it's not good sound in here. Mm-hmm. It's a good space. Beautiful. For the podcast. Mm-hmm. But one of the listeners, one of the teabaggers, uh, is actually a cabinet maker and he has said to me that he does soundproofing and he showed, sent me a website link to this job that he'd done recently and it's really fancy and he's like, hey, um, I'm happy to come over and we'll, we'll work on soundproofing it. So uh, John Oliver has a soundproof booth in his house right. in, in New York. That's how they do the bugle over yes. the ISDN line. You should do the same. That's great. I feel, I, I'm excited by it. Yeah, that's good. I'm excited by getting this like awesome soundproof room out the back of my house I mean it's going to be great for sex parties well I mean here's the thing because some people say well if you convert an entire room of your house into a podcast studio who's going to buy that house like if you want to sell the house like no one's like oh I need a place for the podcast studio but you know what it would also make a great sex dungeon of course so nothing comes in nothing comes out exactly you can concentrate but you don't disturb people outside exactly it's really good come on guys it doesn't just have to be a podcast <laughs> if you do, and if you do have a sex dungeon you do need concentration because stuff can get real right oh yeah I imagine from what I understand I mean here's the thing I there's a lot of people who uh, use their sex dungeons to like kind of do bad things you know your fritzel type people you sure. know what I mean sure have they given sex dungeons a bad name like, do you think there are people who are just legitimately using sex dungeons? To conceive. Right. <laughs> well, look. well, Trudy and I, we, well, we have got good news for you, Will. We, uh, you were conceived in our sex dungeon after many years of trying. IVF didn't help us, dick, but... Uh, uh, but, Dad, why, why, why was the sex dungeon something that well, your, helped? Your mother is a screamer. <laughs> And when she reaches climax, no window remains unbroken. So we thought, rather than replace every sh- every pain in the kingdom, we would uh, just put up a few cartons and uh, just absorb it all. That's much better. We have a kingdom? <laughs> well, that's what I like to call the bedroom. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm going to get this soundproof, and so some of the echo will go away. Yeah, good. And then I'll find out what microphones to use, because I had my other microphone that blew up. Uh-huh. And then, eventually, at least the sound will sound professional. You'll be good to go. I can't do anything about the content. <laughs> no. But the sound. No, still. Yeah, we'll still have to work on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've had a few complaints, not about the sound quality of this. I've had a few complaints about my other work this week. Oh, hang on. Well, yeah, I bumped into you earlier today and you. I, I understand you're, you're on edge, Will. Right. Will, can I just say something? This is no surprise to you, uh-huh. but it, 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 come, it becomes clear, having known you for a few years now, you don't like it when bad things are said about you. <laughs> Who likes it when bad things are said about them? But on the internet or otherwise... I, I think enjoy that. Yeah. I would like everyone to enjoy what I do. Yeah, yeah. Or ignore it. <laughs> right. And it's ironic to me because I say bad things about things all, all the, the time. All the time. <laughs> like, 
I understand the hypocrisy. I'm just... Uh, what I'm saying is that I want to be able to judge things, but I prefer that people didn't judge me. Right. Or my work. How? You're a comedian and you put yourself out there in public. Oh, no, I understand. All the time. I understand. This is... But how do you... How do you how, I don't understand how you have the energy to get angry at people who are criticizing something that's in the public domain. No, no, I enjoy it. Do you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not anger, Dan. Oh my God, it's, yeah. It's, it's masochism. It gets you through the day. Oh, okay, good. All right. No, all right, I'm with you now. I'm so okay. this week... Oh, no, no, I love it. This is what I'm about to tell you okay, stories of right. it. Um, so this week I poked a bear on purpose. Right. And uh, there's a... A small bear? A big bear? Well, I think in Australia... Because here's what I like to do. Bully bullies. Sure. I always get in trouble, and it's always like a Carl Sanderlands, who's our like morning shock jock, you know, radio guy, or it's like this guy Andrew Bolt, who's our kind of Glenn Beck, our right winger, our climate change doesn't exist guy, right? Our, our resident dickhead. Yeah, yeah. And so I made a joke. Uh, that we were talking about a story on Gruen about uh, in America they're trying to get uh, cyclones and hurricanes renamed after. <laughs> Uh, climate deniers right so like you know after Michelle Buckman or whatever you know what are they going to rename them as well they're going to rename them like the cyclone Michelle oh, Buckman oh Michelle Buckman yeah give, so when people, they name a cyclone right yeah, gotcha. because they're saying well what, what's what's Trudy done to destroy you know Trudy destroys town yeah. Trudy kills millions it, they should be named after climate deniers sure so I made a joke on the show actually to be honest not even like with my opinion in the joke Literally just, I came off the back and did a riff on, like, you know, weather conditions and the punchline was Andrew Bolt. Because in Australia, he's the most prominent... Punchline around. Right. But also, he's the most prominent climate denier. Like, he's the most high profile and has made it his thing. Yeah. So, it's the perfect name for the joke. Anyway, he has this um, uh, radio show, like this late night sort of, you know, ravey, you know, yelling about climate science and refugees radio show, which I listen to, I hate listen to all the time. Well, you you, you must go out of your way to listen to it, right? You I, have to stream it. I'm an, uh, I can get on the radio, but I download the podcast. Right. <laughs> See, here's the thing about me, Dan. I like to be provoked. Get up in the morning, 5.30am, pop on some bolt, go for a lap around, around the block. I like to balance shit out. Okay, good. Like, my idea about, because people always say to me things like, well, we're... Like, what should I read or what news media? I say, I read it all, and then I decide on my own what I think about things. Yeah, which... So I think it's worth listening to a right-wing Andrew Bolt rave about what he thinks the interpretation is, and I listen to another podcast that I love called Something Wonky that I, people have heard me talk about before, and it's a progressive look at Australian politics, and it's, you know, a lefty and an ALP guy, you know, interpreting everything from that end. Mm. And you know what? Perhaps sometimes, you know, my personal opinions are more sympathetic to the left than the right, but not on all things. Yeah. But my point being that I often disagree with as much on something wonky as I do on Andrew Bolt's thing. Sure. But I listen to them all, I balance it all out, and then I pick the eyes out of what I think is, you know, my opinion, right? Yeah. So... I know that every time he gets criticised, he goes on that show the next night and then tears into... So I knew when I made the joke. In fact, I would have been disappointed if... Like, can you imagine what an insult it would have been? If he goes after everybody else who has a go at him and he didn't go after me? So now will Boltophiles hear this, send this to Andrew Bolt and he'll he'll mention this in his blog or his new radio show? I mean, I'd be happy if he does. I mean, it would be a very viral way of getting more listeners to the podcast. Do you know I made a pilot with Andrew Bolt? Like a, an a actual... Tele- a, tele- a guy to fly a plane? A- the, two of, <laughs> <laughs> the two of you. Uh, it was uh, it was Gleason, Heath Franklin and I, and Andrew Bolt was our guest. Right. And it was called This Week in Shorts, and Andrew Bolt was a guest on it. Right. And he was funny and charming and really great. He really is, great to work with. Like, here's what like, I've heard about Andrew Bolt. Uh, is that I believe, and, you know, maybe this is, uh, look, allegedly, but I don't think this is like a really defamous thing to say, hopefully, uh, which is that I believe that he is aware that the pantomime is what helps sell his act. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, as in that he may believe a lot of the things he says, yep. but obviously culture wars and having a go at other people and being... This that's, is that's his act. This is the that's same, what he is, and I don't think I don't think uh, this is defamation saying this about someone else who I know too, Miranda Devine. Right. I met her a couple of times when I was at Channel Nine, and she she's quite she's exactly the same. Like she just plays to her audience. Like these people, they write to their audience. Right. 
because that's what their audience want to hear. It reinforces a whole bunch of stuff for them, and it's it's a market seg it's a market segmentation they just play to. I know someone who comes off as being the like publicly in their public persona as being the biggest lefty of all time who who isn't you know who is like that's their shtick right. You know? I do wonder sometimes though. If you are a sensible person, like if you are a person who's not as extreme as, you know, that, and you're doing it for theatre or it's an exaggeration or you're doing it for your audience, I'm not sure that your audience necessarily understand that. No. And, so, I, and that's the problem. But you want to hope your friends do. <laughs> right. I think. But, but, you know, there is a responsibility sometimes to go, like you're whipping up more than you believe or you say, or you're giving people the, you know, the permission to kind of, you know, have their outrageous opinions. Maybe, maybe this is too, maybe this is too soft or too earnest, but I feel like when you're a broadcaster or you, you get given an opportunity to have a platform... You, it is a privilege to have that platform. And I you agree. Sh- and you, I feel like in my work, I try and do things that are representative of me. And if if something is not representative of me, it really hurts me doing it. Right. And I don't like doing it. And I try and just um, make sure that what I whatever I do is good. And if I even even if it's branded, if it's branded content, then as long as it, as long as I'm fine with the product, I use the product. That's fine. Right. If it's something I don't want to do, I don't want to touch it. Um. And uh, and I feel like I have a responsibility to put forth. The truth, not. I don't want to be too earnest about it, but I feel like the, the best no, no. possible sense of the truth. I absolutely agree I with think you, Dan. I, I'll I, give, I, 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 as a broadcaster, I didn't add when I was young, like to Maxi Bomb. Maxi Bomb, seen it on YouTube. Uh, yeah, and we're gonna. I think we're gonna show one of them in Guru uh, this year. Oh, good. Uh, but that and that was great for me uh, because, like, it, it was the first money I had to set up the life that I had. Sure. But then years later, when I was in a different position, when I worked on commercial radio. Uh, they, now, on commercial radio, you can almost double your salary by doing what they call live reads, which means they're those ads you hear where it's like the two hosts of the radio show talking yeah. about tyres or whatever. Now, right? Will Anderson, I, I reckon a glass of water a day is really helps a lot of people. It's really good. I love water. What do you think? Oh, Dan, well, where can you buy this water you that you're get, talking about? Oh, you get water from any store. Literally any store. Any store? Water? Any store today. Okay. Water. Okay. It's a real pisser. That's all I've read. Oh, right. Basically what we did there okay, good. for water. So could please Mount Franklin or somebody, Fiji Water, please send us some free brother. Just drop some coin. When I did uh, commercial radio, uh, I refused to do live reads, which is unusual. Uh, but the reason is that I like everything that comes out of my mouth to be my opinion. Now, it may not be an opinion that you agree with, uh, but if you don't agree with it, that's good because then I can actually, it's my opinion. I'm yep. not spouting someone else's opinion. So, I, uh, the Andrew Bolt thing amused me. I, I, look, I literally did not lose a minute. I, it's, to me, that's exactly what I wanted from that environment. And the thing that Andrew doesn't understand, and this is my favorite thing is, he, of course, wouldn't know how much. I probably consume Andrew Bolt's work as much as his you know, rabid fans do for different reasons, <laughs> but I probably do. Yeah. The second thing is, I hope... Andrew Bolt's right. Like, the best case scenario is <laughs> that there is, that man-made uh, climate change is not, not a real thing. thing. That's the best case for us all. So here's what I hope. I hope he's right. This is the thing that he wouldn't understand. I hope to God that I also don't believe him <laughs> that he is right about that. Unfortunately, in all the listening I've done to Andrew Bolt, there is nothing that reassures me that he knows more than the majority of climate scientists in the world. Mm. Now, they might be wrong too, but just if I have to have a... I See, his whole thing is like, well, you know, he thinks that he knows more than... I don't. Mm. I don't think that I do. I'm, I know that I am ignorant about this. Yeah. But here's what I do in my everyday life. I trust science. Uh, and the experts. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I go to the doctor and I trust it. You might get a second opinion, but eventually you trust the doctor. Sure. You know, you get on a plane because you trust the scientists mm. who put that plane together in the first place. Yeah, you know? it's been tested. Right. Yeah. You know, the iPhone fucking 5C and 5S <coughs> came out. Do you know why? Because of science. <laughs> science. And they, got, they got some shit wrong. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. And they do. And science doesn't have all the answers. Like, that's the amazing thing about science to me is... That idea that, like, Andrew Bolt seems to think that climate change is like a religion, right? That's his sort of thing. It's like, they believe as much as the people who don't believe. And I understand there are some people who are like that. But the thing is about science is, if better information comes in, science will change its mind. Yeah. and That's what science is. 
and I totally agree with it. And uh, and this is this is one of those things where it's so baffling that the climate climate denial exists, and it's so baffling that um, you know that the carbon tax in Australia would be dismantled because it's actually doing some kind of good and having a price on carbon is really important to kind of stop people from polluting. Uh, and it, it always comes back to that great... There's a great Walkley Award-winning cartoon. Uh, I forget who who, who drew it. Um, it was me. It was uh, Will yeah. Anderson. It was some yeah. Will Anderson's best cut, illustrated yeah. work. My early work. <laughs> and and it, there was talking, it was about the carbon tax and it says, what if we make the world better? What if we make the world better and it's all for nothing? You know, it's like, no. yeah, right, yeah. The kind of it—that's the attitude that that I think people should be taking. But it's so gross. To, it's so gross to me. This last election, what was gross to me? Are things that got politicised. Boat people, sure, it's pretty gross. Uh-huh. Climate change—that's crazy. That that gets politicised. Right. Should be an issue that I, I it should be an issue. It's like it should be like the Nazis are invading. They're what? <laughs> Let's galvanise. Yeah, we'll fight them on the beaches. That's what it should be like. But both of those issues that you've mentioned should be that. Yeah. Like as in, well, not fight them on the beaches in regard to <laughs> asylum seekers. Yeah, yeah. One of them already has that policy. <laughs> yeah. One had that. One had an analogy tied to the other. Um, the, but the third, I the third one, Abbott coming out during the election and just being like, "We will fight them on the beaches." They're like, "He's inspiring." No, he's talking about his arms. <laughs> he was very Winston Churchillian. Yeah. The third thing that really annoyed me, and it annoyed me for two reasons, because it was Kevin Rudd doing it, but the politicisation of gay marriage, right, about two weeks before the election, ridiculous. Just it, 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 it ripped my heart out. People uh, and people expected that I would be excited about that because people know how passionate I am about that issue but, but it felt so politically uh, motivated and cynical cynical because he wasn't even saying we're going to bring it in he was going to say we'll have an open vote on this that they might have possibly lost because if the opposition can't have a conscience vote then I mean and also you were in power as a government for six years for six you could have done years. it and at, at any stage you could have done any time and it's a, and it's a matter of flicking a switch that kind of legislation it's it's it doesn't require anything. And here's the best thing. In every other country where they've done it, <laughs> three days later, it's not an issue ever. <laughs> anymore. Any, anymore. It's and it's the easiest thing of all time. God, he could have done it the week before the election. Like, yeah. He could have done it. He they could have, they could have just done it. And then it would then it would be up to Abbott to reverse it. I don't think would he would have. have. I mean, he would have. And so it's like one of those things where... I oh, it's just so cynical, and it just hurt me because yeah. of campaigning I've done on that issue. Yeah, of course. And I've you know, we've all got great gay friends, and it's like oh, it just hurt me. And I had people in Labor Party um, viral media marketing people send me clips saying, "Hey, can you send this around? Can you share this with your friends?" And I'm like, "Well, no, I'm not going to no. because it's a cynical attempt to get my vote and go fuck yourselves." Yeah. Yeah. I, but I absolutely agree with you. So I want to tell you about this bit of feedback that I got. Right, sorry, yes. Let's so, so this guy, I often get, um, you know, you get, you get letters and stuff from people. and Death friends, I get them all the time. And I, uh, I, I try to respond to everybody. Like, sometimes if they're just mean from the start, I will respond in a slightly patronizing and mean way. <laughs> right. Like, mostly correcting grammar. Right. Like, yeah. like when people are like, you're shit. I'll be like, I think you mean. You are. You are. Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is horrible and obnoxious and just reaffirms their opinion. But I was Rotary Young Australian of the Year. But this one caught my eye. And uh, I'm, look, I'm going to paraphrase it. Okay. But it, it was off the, obviously, the, the Andrew Bolt joke. And it, there was a, this guy, and he said, firstly, he was like, you try and make a living in the real... But, you know, anyway, I dealt with that. But my favourite bit was, he said, you're a lefty wanker and you'll always be a lefty wanker. Uh, get in contact if you'd like to discuss. <laughs> Did he leave a number? Well, no, he, but like he was, he was kind of like, if you want to, you know, take me up on this point. And so I was like, you know what? Normally that was just a horrible diatribe about me and I wouldn't engage. But I went back to him and I actually explained in a sensible way that I am not party political, that I yep. I call them where I see them. And yep. I get as much hate mail from the yeah, the left as I do from the right and, and all those sort of things. And to be honest, I voted for the ALP uh, when Paul Keating one against John Hewson, which was the first time I ever voted. And I have not since that day ever voted for the ALP or the Liberal Party. So uh, there you go. My polit- At least my politics to that extent are out on the table. Yeah. Um, so when somebody accuses me of being like, a, you know, ooh, you're just doing what the ALP... No, I'm no. not because I don't vote for them. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and anyway, so 
So I just explained to him what I was doing and, and what my perspective was, and I talked him through the joke that I was making. Did you phone, did you phone him? No, no, I just emailed yeah, him. Yeah, you emailed yeah. And uh, then I got this lovely letter back from him going, oh, yeah, I guess they're pretty good people, <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he honestly yeah, did. Good, uh, and, and by the end, he, he actually said to me, he was mm. like, uh, oh, well, thanks for the chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. That's that and I think that, but that also says a lot about you. And I think that, I think what people in the public domain should do is try and do that because right. it's, it, it, there's nothing bad from addressing bad comments. No. Like when, in fact, as I was saying to him, I said, like negative commentary as much as you hate it, like, and as much as I do hate it, and yeah. as much as it genuinely does hurt me, I used to be a person who would ignore reviews yep. and that sort of thing, right? But nowadays, I read them all, yep. and particularly if the criticism is valid, I will often, you know, I, I, will, I will learn from it. I've got a review from my show in Adelaide this year, and this is a show that, like, you know, has had five-star reviews around the country, and it's been really well-received, you yep. know what I mean? Yep. But... It was the first, they came on the third night of me ever doing it. And I had an okay show, but I didn't have a great show. And it wasn't. And it's like a, and it kind of was just like, it's not up to its usual standard and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I, it's funny, I was going through my notes. I'm about to finish a seven month tour. And I went through my notes the other day of everything that I had. And I kept that review clearly to just be like, this has got to get better really quickly. And I don't want to fucking see this shit, but being, you know. Published ever. Right. So I don't. Like, I mean, I hate it, <clears throat> no, but, but I think it can be really positive if yeah. you take it in the right way. Yeah. Like, I, when I've done radio, I... However, if anyone complains about the podcast, it's fucking free. <laughs> Shut up. You're paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> Rate it on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I, whenever I've done radio, I always am a sucker for air checks. I love sitting down with something and going through, right. going through the air checks. And I love, I love... I love being pulled over the coals. Like, why did you say that there? What do you need to say that many R's? You know, I just, I, I love that kind of finessing and fine tuning. You will really enjoy the hour after this show. <laughs> 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 are we going to air check? Excellent. All right, Dan, I want to, I, I, sometimes we bring some news in and people will send me news stories. And I think this gives an indication of what people think of this podcast. Uh-huh. So these are the two stories that I was sent uh, in the last uh, 24 hours, 48 hours. And this will give you a sort of insight into what people think in the about fo- this. In uh, the faux pop audience. Yeah, faux pop audience. Okay, first one. Here's the headline. Sweden, it's okay to masturbate in public. <laughs> <laughs> so, Naturally. All right. Right on Sweden, firstly. <laughs> uh, so, a Swedish man charged with sexual assault for masturbating on a beach in Stockholm was acquitted after a court ruled the act was not directed towards one or more people. <laughs> so you can masturbate. Just don't just point it away from the children. Yeah, yeah. You'll have someone's eye out. You do not do not target at anything, man. Yeah. Uh, They're yeah. already at the beach. They do not want another salty spray in their face. Does that... Uh, does that- Include imagining. Do they? Can you get into the subconscious? Can you? Are you allowed to fantasize? Do you have to fantasize about one or more people? I believe that you can look like at a, them, but then you have to turn away. Right. At the once you've got them in your mind's eye, you can do that thing where you look and then you blink to try to capture the image perfectly. Sorry, I'm just getting in my spank bank. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm back. Thank you. Oh, masturbating sound effects. I enjoyed that. <laughs> did you go? I did. I very much enjoyed that. And if people don't like masturbating sound effects, you can imagine that was a jellyfish. <laughs> he stepped on a jellyfish. <laughs> it's, there's, a, there's a few where I am. Uh, the 65-year-old Swede was caught with... Hang on. He was masturbating. He was 65 years old. At the beach. Oh, as yeah. someone who's 32, uh, it's take... Uh, double, double your age, mate. Yep. That's what's happening. Yeah, and, and you know, I've noticed in the last probably three years, it's, it's, taken, it's taken longer. And the masturbation sessions have taken longer. Right. I can't imagine when you're 65, right. you really need to work well, that's out. How, that, that's how they caught him. <laughs> someone had time to ring the cops and they had time to get down. It was a 20-minute session. To the beach. 20-minute session. And when they handcuffed him, that was the first time he got hard. <laughs> Ah, I'm just, you guys! Oh my gosh! You guys! I'm 65. Just three more minutes. I thought you were going to say that you've noticed that when you're masturbating, you're getting closer and closer to the door. 
like that you were sneaking out into the outside. Have I mean, you, you do live near the beach. So I do eventually, very close to I mean, it would be easy enough for you to sneak down to the beach and just spray into the ocean. Do you know what I mean? Never, never at the beach. Blow into no. a blowhole. Oh. You know, see a nice pot of dolphins going by Bondi. And oh, just, just, I could fill those holes up. Get up on the cliff at North Bondi and just, just cheers out into the sea. Um, um, I may have... Um, I may have publicly masturbated oh. in the park once. Already? What? Once. What do you mean? For, um, for realsy or for... For realsy, yeah. Oh, in... Oh, so... So drunk. Or well, I hope so. It was, uh, it was <laughs> like middle head in the bush or something. It was so I could have been that guy. Right. I could have been that guy. How old were you when this happened? Oh, maybe twenty three. What? <laughs> Very young. Very young. <laughs> That's too old to be masturbated. <laughs> it is impossible, is it? Twenty three. I don't know. Did you hear about that guy who had uh, sex with his Land Rover? No. Oh, hang on. I'm going to have to Google it. But um, so basically uh, what I remember about the story is um, uh, so he's drunk and he has sex with his Land Rover. Right. And then his mate keeps going, oh, I boned a Jeep. I boned a Jeep. No. <laughs> it's a very Australian specific advertising joke for... Uh, for our stateside audience. Yeah, with. that'll... I'll put some clips on the Facebook page after and you can understand that joke reference. Uh, here we go. A father who was caught having... He's a father. Oh, God. You know, as a father. <laughs> and yet gay people can't get married. Yeah. Guy can bone a Jeep. Gay people can't get married. A father who was caught having sex with a Land Rover while on a night out. Well, I mean, you know, it's a night out. Thing. You, yeah, you're not going to... If you're home in your garage, rooting your Land Rover. And if I know anything about new dads, is they just they're desperate for a night out, right? <laughs> and they go crazy. Oh, they that's love the it. thing. Yeah, they're all they're, they're trying to fit all the fun into one night. Yeah, they're like, I need, we need, I need, we didn't, we didn't maximize this shit. They're oh, doing tequila shots at the Sala night. A couple <laughs> hours later, they're boning in a Land Rover. <laughs> Woo! Give me another shot. Woo! And warm up that pipe. <laughs> Woo! Put the seatbelt on so it's safe. Uh, a court heard how drunken Daniel Cooper, 24, so he's a young dad too. <laughs> yeah, wow. Stripped off while on a night out with friends. The father of three... Hang on, he's 24, he's got 24. three kids. He's got three kids. Oh, God. Fuck, maybe he just sticks his dick at everything. Land- like maybe it's like the Land Rover, passing strangers, Land Rover- an yeah. apple, a donut... Whatever's going. Okay, let me just... Let's put him socioeconomically on a scale here. Yeah. He's got three kids. He must yeah. be doing all right because he owns a Land Rover. Uh, no, I don't think it was his Land Rover. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh, this is getting sadder. I feel like it was someone else. Oh, God. I don't feel like he... he had, no, hang on. Uh, had, Will, sorry. He didn't have sex with a Land Rover. He raped a Land Rover. Well, I feel like that's actually oh, what happened. that's so sad. Yeah. I mean, a Land Rover can't say no. No. Even if it has a baby on board sticker, that is not permission. If you have the proper registration papers, then maybe you can get away with it. But, like, if you're not... But here's the thing. If the Land Rover... If he had a Land Rover at home, he wouldn't need one when he was out. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, let's find out. I haven't actually... I I don't know that that's the case, but I feel like... I feel like you might be able to root your own Land Rover. I think so too. I think yeah. I think you're allowed to do that. Uh, maybe not in public though. So the father of three was seen seen urinating in the street before walking down the high street in Holywell, Wales, with his trousers around his ankles. <laughs> yep. And his t-shirt pulled above his head. Wow, he was celebrating. So I feel like in Sweden this would be cool. I feel like they would be fine with this in Sweden. Yeah, if yeah. You can mas- as long as it wasn't directed at anyone. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on... It wasn't any car I wanted to fuck. All right, here we go. Uh, he then shocked fellow revelers. Oh, we'd have sex... Uh, Volvos from Sweden? You know, yeah, yeah, Volvos. Volvos yeah, That'd be the safest yeah. sex you can have. Or a, or a Saab. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice, yeah. nice, reliable sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Handles well. Yep. You know. And, yep. Uh, all right, so... He then shocked fellow revelers by walking into a kebab shop. <laughs> well, so far... Pants down, shirts up, yeah. dicks I mean, out. I, think they'd see, I think they'd see a bit of that at a kebab shop in White House. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think those people would be shocked. No. They'd be amused. Uh, so then he's walked into a kebab shop and he's simulated sex with the counter of the takeaway. <laughs> Good. Tick. 
<laughs> Something we've all done before. I'll provide my own special sauce, thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, married Cooper. Do you want me to fill up that tzatziki? <laughs> <laughs> so he's married. Uh, married Cooper. Three descri- kids. Described as being... Okay, they use three words to describe him. It's a phrase. Like... Um, uh, like, uh, well, I mean, this isn't three words, but I'll give you an example. Sure. Confirmed bachelor. Right. Like, you know, word, a, thing that, a thing that they... Oh, it doesn't... family man. Oh, okay. So, um... you've got two of the words. You've got, <laughs> oh, um, dedicated family man. Caring family man. Oh, but I feel like dedicated family man would have actually been a better choice. Right, right. Uh, so, he's been described as the caring family man, then dropped to the floor and began... Oh, so he's rooted the counter... <laughs> And then he's rooted the floor. Good tick. Well, he's tick. got some stamina. Yeah. He's like, this is a great night out. Mm. I'm, this is, I, I've always wanted to root the floor. I'm going to do it tonight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It had been recently polished. He couldn't resist yeah, it. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to polish that up myself. Yeah, exactly. Myself. You missed a spot. Uh, he then left the shop and uh, gyrated against the Land Rover Discovery. Oh, nice car. That was parked nearby. <laughs> Cooper said he was so drunk, so it was parked nearby. So it's not, it's his, not car. his car. Yeah, I right. feel like this is a night where they needed a designated driver. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Cooper may not have driven to this night out. So he seen the Land Rover, could not resist. Cooper says he was so drunk and could not remember what happened. Understandable. Uh, he probably said to the Land Rover he had an early meeting. <laughs> Sorry, I was drunk. Sorry, he didn't call the next day. <laughs> Uh, Cooper said he was so drunk he can't remember what happened until he was shown the CCTV pictures of his actions. (laughs) It's all coming back to me. I mean, this is, this would be a great YouTube clip is what I'm saying. Do you know, the actual him viewing the CCTV would be a great YouTube clip. You know how they do those reaction reaction videos? It would be great. So, drunk man watches himself fuck Land Rover. Oh my, that's not, is that? Oh God. I didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a Land Cruiser guy. Like, no, what I'd like to say you do, and this is a bit of a challenge, and I don't, I'm throwing something to you on the spot. Okay, right. But here's what I would like you to do. I'm listening. Now, you've got to remember what Daniel Cooper did. He's gone out for a night out, right? He's gone into a kebab shop. He's had sex with the counter. He's had sex with the the floor. floor. And then he's had sex with the Land Rover. I want you to reenact that. As if it's a video on Australia or America's funniest home videos, and they've put in like the. Gotcha. Uh... Hey, mum! How are you? Oh, I'm so drunk! I think I need a kebab! Hey, uh, you got any chicken with that? Oh, here you go! I've got some meat! Boing! It's fleshy! Oh, hey, mate! Is it? Your floors look like they need a bit of a scrub! Ah, oh, you missed a spot over here! Don't worry, I got it! <laughs> what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Oh, yeah? Come here, come here! I'll come there, I'll come there, I'll come there! Oh, oh, oh. Tell me, who is your driver? Oh, oh, who's your driver? Something like that? I don't know, was that... I loved it. Did you... I don't know if you know this about me. What do I know about you? Did you know that my first job in Australian showbiz was working at Australia's Funniest Home Videos? I don't know this. Tell that story. Uh, I worked I worked at Australia's Funniest Home Videos, uh, and uh, <laughs> I got this job as... like They'd made up a job for me so I could um, so I could be there, and it was junior associate producer. My job was to put the, the, the clips in order of least funny to most funny. Oh, my God. And then I had to, then I had to send that list to the producer, Brian Cockerell. Great bloke. Great. Um, Do they use every clip they've ever been sent? Because when you say, like, is there shit that misses the cut for Funniest Home Videos? Yeah, there is. and Because uh, that's got to be the worst of the worst. There's a room like, for that it. is the shit that John West rejects. Like, it, it's it's pretty terrible. And it's a lot. It's like uh, it, my, those days, 2003, it was pre-YouTube. So there was a lot of VHS of people's right. kids just vomiting and shitting and just people's people sitting in tapes of, of their kids thinking that was the cutest thing and funniest thing in the world. Wow. Uh, and so the screeners had the soulless job of going through that and, and looking through all those VHS tapes. So my job was to put in funny, sort of most, least, least funny, most funny. And you know you did your job right when you heard down the other end of the cottage, the producer go, <laughs> Ball terror! 
that that was when you like if I heard the ball terror, I'd go, yeah, I've done a pretty good job. I've done a pretty good job. Ball terror. Ball terror. Yeah. Right, nice. yeah everybody aimed for the ball terror. Uh, all right, that, so that uh, we got distracted a little bit there uh, from the Swedish beach, but um, I'm fine with that because I'm going to take you to the uh, final story, and it feels like it, we've actually gone on a journey. Yeah, it feels like a narrative, doesn't it? Does. It? <laughs> it feels like this was much more planned than it was, which was not at all. Uh, headline: Testicle eating fish may be migrating. <laughs> so. <laughs> Case closed. We don't need to do it anymore. That's a great part. I feel like, feel like we don't have to stop the boats anymore. I feel like we may have other issues. A small fish with a big reputation for biting off the testicles of men in the waters of PNG is on the move. So, firstly, uh, our previous government had a policy to send our asylum seekers to a place where they have testicle-eating fish. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, they probably could have mentioned that during the election campaign and got a lot of really horrible right-wing votes. It's actually a really good strategy. Yeah. It's actually, then not only are we not letting them into Australia, we're sending them to the country where they have testicle-eating fish. Papua New Guinea is only 150 kilometres away from the nearest Centrelink, and that to have to have a moat filled with those right. fish is is policy. I think we're giving them ideas. <laughs> Strong policy. Um, uh, so is on the move. The testicle-eating fish is on the move. Uh, it's made its way to France. How? In the, in the ballast of... Contiki tour? <laughs> yeah. Like, how has... Well, that feels like a weird... Has it stowed away like the koala at the end of the Simpsons episode of Down Under? Or Yeah. Or is it like a snakes on the plane scenario? Have they? Has someone taken... Is the testicle-eating fish like a delicacy and someone has smuggled it into a country and then it's like... I can imagine like a French explorer going to Papua New Guinea going, Oh, this is going to be so magnificent in my restaurant. The ball-eating fish. Let's capture it and take it home. We're going to breed them for my restaurant. Yeah, but then he got so attached to the fish. Well, well literally. The, but... the fish got attached to him right, too. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, he just loved the fish so much he eventually... Uh, Read it, kept it, right, and then that's where the fucking trouble starts. And then thought thought it was dead one day, right, and put it in the put it in the toilet and flushed it, right, bang, bang, bingo, bango. We grew up in the French sewers, sewers. Yeah, it's a teenage mutant ninja ball eating fish. Wow, I feel like we can sell this to Michael Bay already. We might have to move it away from France. Oh no, no, no! Here's what we'll do: we'll shoot in France and get some of that sweet Woody Allen money oh. that you get for shooting a film in France. We just have to have. Paris in the title. Yeah. Testicle yeah. eating fish, fish in Paris. Paris. Uh, what about We Paris? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so they've gone to France and there are fears that could be headed for London next. So, uh, the exotic Paku, or P A C U, Paku, Pachu, found in PNG in South American rivers, had been discovered in Sweden's. Oh, so it's we're been... back to Sweden. Man. This is great. Imagine if that guy was masturbating <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> up pops, testicle-eating fish. Boing. <laughs> 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 hey, mum. This might be a whole series. We can do testicle-eating fish in Paris. Testicle-eating fish in Stockholm. It's just like um, Fast and the Furious. It's just a just a constant churn of... Testicle-eating fish down under. under. <laughs> Everywhere. It'd be I great. mean, it's brilliant. So last month it was found in uh, Sweden. And, oh my God, I can't... I wish finish, I'd read... Finish, all, finish the story. The thing. I wish I'd read all these stories beforehand. Right. But perhaps they would not have come together in the Breaking Bad-esque lost way that they have all intertwined. I've always said you're the Vince Gilligan of podcasts. Uh, here we go. The discovery sparked a warning to Swedish men not to engage in nude bathing. <laughs> So in one day, we have we gone from the problem to the solution. solution. Yeah. Because no man is whapping his cock out, no matter how good it feels to have a legal wank on a Swedish beach, yep. if there is a risk of testing fish in the water. It's, it's basically um, uh, a ballsier version of Foucault's panopticon. Right. Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, really? you took the words right out of my mouth. Don't you think? I mean, if you're you're not going to masturbate if you think you're going to get eaten by a fish. I mean, here's the thing: there's got to be at least one person who digs that, right? Who? Oh, but, like if they think, I don't mean, like, they think it's a fetish, like in terms of a fetish. Yeah, yeah, right. There's got to be one because there's people who like get like you know because there's people who like pain applied to their testicles oh, yeah. and stuff, which yeah. I. 
have never understood. I've seen a lot of those sideshow guys that do like the fringe shows and stuff, and yeah. I go, why? I know, I know, I'm here watching you, right. so that must be the revenue stream. But why? Why can't you just like work in retail? Right. Like that would be. Like, what is the day? Like, how much do you hate retail? How much do you hate hanging up shirts? That you want to put... That you're like, I would rather make my living lifting a weight with my cock. Yeah, I need to swing kettlebells with my bells. That, with my balls. Kettle, right. Kettlebells with my balls. And I imagine that you would have to constantly shorten the rope on the kettlebells. Oh, because man. clearly your balls are... Like, I mean, you see those things they do to their ears where they stretch. Yeah. You can't tell me that your balls... I mean, men's balls get lower and lower... Or it's like a fucking episode of The Price is Right. Your balls just get lower, lower, lower. Yeah. And if you're putting fucking kettlebells on them as well, mm. then you're going to have some balls that are dragging along the ground. You know Nick Nolte had, had a ball tuck. What? Nick Nolte. Shut up. Nick Nolte. Is that why he looks so surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Did he have it just as they took that mugshot photo? <laughs> because that would explain quite a lot. Apparently Nick Nolte's balls hung so low... Uh, eventually as he got older that he got a ball tuck so now his balls don't hang as low they look do, do you get the wrinkles removed? <laughs> I don't know well, I don't know if I don't know that's necessary you don't need to get Botox on your balls I mean you're the only one that sees them or well, your partner's, I mean, your partner's anyone see them. they're very wrinkly but if you're Nick Norton I mean it's much more like, like I mean hey, no, you, you, I bet the practicality is you're famous you're Nick Nolte you're not going to get your balls uh, waxed over you're not going to get the wrinkles removed why not? Like, if you're already getting them hmm. tucked, right. why wouldn't you, while they're there... I mean... Smooth now. Here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, you were going to get your jaw redone. You weren't going to say, just get the minimum redone. Yeah, yeah. You'd be like, give I'm, me your I'm like, uh, yeah, maybe John Wayne, motherfucker. While you're there. Yeah. Like, I don't want just a little bit more chin. No, I want, like, a proper chin. I want right? a chin that says, I can lead men. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm having a ball tuck, I'm like, you know what? While you're there... S- smooth it out a bit. I mean... You know what? Well, I do some renovations in my house, and once you start, you kind of like, oh, well, I mean, we've opened it up. We might as well, why not? You know, do some stuff while we're here. So I would get all the hair removed and all the wrinkles removed. Well, the hair's easy, but the no, wrink- permanently. But the wrinkles are—you're going to need some kind of mechanism there to make your scrotum work, to make your scrotum function, in terms of expanding and contracting, right? Uh, removing the wrinkles could be problematic. I'm just saying. Look. I know something about anatomy. I know how my right. balls work. Maybe your balls work differently. I was like, oh, do they get bigger and smaller? Uh, well, you know, when you go for a swimming, they, they shrink in, you know. Right. When you, when but why go- do they do that? Like, what's the practical reason? Like, would my life be any better and worse if I, my balls didn't shrink when I went swimming? Uh, I think they, sh- they, sh- they kind of shrink so they, they, they stay warm next to you. So like, so for, for what balls. reason? Like, why, why does it matter if my balls are cold? Just in case, you know, if you go swimming, it's cold water and you've got a fish that likes tasty balls. Right. Doesn't, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't like them, doesn't like them cold. No, it doesn't like them warm. So you've got to keep them warm. <laughs> got to keep them warm. Because it likes cold, delicious balls. But also, also when you go swimming, it keeps the balls closer to you. So right. it's so protection away from ball-eating fish. Right, but I'm not swimming nude anyway, so I can oh. have tight, tiny balls. Okay, all right. I mean, not tiny, like normal size. Yeah, right, right. Just smooth. Okay. All right. They can still have some give. Um, they can be stretchy rather than, like, you know... Elasticity. Maybe, yeah. maybe you like some, uh, a, dist- a different kind of fabric. Maybe they're rather. kind of retractable. Oh, yeah. You just so put it on an app. Right. You know, so you can press a button on your app and so, then your balls retract. Like landing gear. Uh, yeah, so a Scandinavian fish expert... <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hello, I'm the Scandinavian fish expert. It's good to be here. Uh, your name is Henrik Carl. That's just correct. Uh, <laughs> are you Scottish now? <laughs> I think that was Sean Connery <laughs> playing a... I'm Scandinavian. We invaded everywhere. <laughs> Scotland, Wales. I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> uh, no. Historically, I, your story checks out. Thank you. We're Vikings. <laughs> Uh, Have bought, will travel. Henrik Karl warned the fish could grow to 90 centimetres. Yes, it's a very big fish, 90 centimetres. Stay away from that one. That's, that's a, a that's big a... fish coming at your balls. Now, <laughs> what, okay, look, I'm not an expert. No. Clearly. I'm not Henrik. What's Henrik Karl. Henrik Karl, but there must be something else in their diet to sustain them. Surely a fish cannot live on testicles alone. Oh, that's a very good point. <laughs> that, that's that's my point. That's all I had. Teach um, a fish to hunt and gather. 
they'll eat forever. <laughs> Teach them to eat a ball bag. They'll eat for a night. I mean, yeah, it's not very a catchy and expression. Sure, sure. But allow me to just give you a premise for a joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm useless on this podcast. Uh, here we go. Uh, a Scandinavian fish expert, Henrik Carl, warned the fish could grow 90 centimetres, weigh up to 25 kilograms. See, I imagined a piranha. Like, I imagined yeah. a tiny fish. That's what I was thinking, too. But all it's not at all. Fish. Surely you would see like, that... this is a massive fish that just loves nuts. And you would see that testicle it's not anaphylactic, anaphylactic at all. No, no. Imagine if there was an anaphylactic fish that was allergic to human nuts. Yeah. So every time it was near testicles, it just swelled up. Yeah. I'm not meant to be 25 kilos. And you went, I'm a fish. And going out, and going out would be difficult with him, wouldn't you? So, uh, you want to come out and, um, you want to come out and chomp some balls? Uh, no thanks, dude. What are you? I've got, I'm, I'm, what do you mean? I'm anaphylactic, dude. What? Dude, I can't, I can't have any balls. But we all have balls. I know, I, it's yeah, all you eat. I mean, balls. I mean, I'm, balls. look, if it's a special it's occasion, if it's a special do it occasion, the they you know, can masturbate like, in public. Look, if Hawthorne wins a grand final, I might have a, I might have, I might have a ball. I might have one ball or half a ball. But it's weird that the fish loves <laughs> AFL so much. I'm just channeling Chamber. Right. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, Henrik said the fish could go to 90 centimeters, weigh up to 25 kilograms, and slice through flesh. Understandable. With their human-like teeth. Now, do you think their teeth do look like human teeth? Oh yeah, they do. The it, picture is extraordinary. It's like it's, it, it's like multiple layers of teeth that look just like human. I feel like I've kissed that mouth before. It's it's if you had your jaw fixed, Dan, you wouldn't have had to. <laughs> no, it's they really do look like. God, it's like a human mouth, isn't it? Wow, it's like someone's put those fake teeth inside an animal. You know, like in a cartoon or something where like. The animal, the dog will pick up the <coughs> human teeth and it looks like it has teeth. That's what the fish looks like. It's, it's not just like one row of teeth. It's like three rows of teeth. It looks like it, it looks like a seating plan for the opera house. Right. That's what it looks like. <laughs> you know, it looks like you can, you can really pick where your ball wants to rest. All right. So Henry uh, said they bite because they're hungry and testicles sit nicely in their mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well... Haven't we all said that? We've all been there. At some stage. Yeah. yeah. Henrik, you Scandinavian fish expert. I mean, this is... I think this is your glory time. When you're a Scandinavian fish expert... <laughs> yeah. And you've never been called on for much press. Yeah. Like, it's not like a hot topic where everyone's like, you know what panel shows are filled with today? Scandinavian <laughs> fish experts. They're always reliable. Yeah, I'm sure Jane Carrow would have an opinion on this too. But the minute... <laughs> this and everything... <laughs> Uh, this and everything. Uh, so, uh, so it's been found in the River Seine now. Uh-huh. And, uh, the big- wow, a 25-kilo, a 90-centimetre ball-chomping fish in yep. the River Seine. It's just it's travelling around, man. So be uh-huh. warned. It's on tour. It really is. Jeez. Uh, so what else has been going on with you, Daniel? Like, you've got fringe uh, shows coming up, yeah? Uh, yeah, we've got a, a Rational Fear coming up on Wednesday the 25th. For people who don't know what a Rational Fear is, uh, explain to them what it is. I know, because I have <laughs> done it before. It's like a fast-paced Q&A on crack. It's, uh, it's a platform for young comedians to talk about whatever they want, and then we kind of have discussions about it. And usually it's, it's topical-based. Um, and our special guest uh, this week, which I just booked today, is Amanda McKenna. Kenzie, who worked at the uh, former Climate Commission. So oh. we've got uh, someone so, who's been... Explain to, because this is interesting for our international listeners. Yeah. Uh, the, the sentence you just said, mm. why is that interesting and or important? <clears throat> okay, so do you know, uh, to give you some context, the greatest moral problem of our time is climate change. Yes. Uh, so, it's, uh... <laughs> uh, listeners who are regular listeners to this podcast, luckily enough... I spoke to Ian Bagg a couple of episodes ago, and we actually told some of the story of uh, Kevin Rudd and the greatest mole, mole, yeah, the moral challenge of our time, time. And, and the process of how that all fell apart. So even our international listeners will have some sense of that. So, uh, so uh, it was a department the government thought, well, since climate change is a real thing, uh, we should try and figure out a way how we can get some independent, accurate information out to the public to dispel... All the rumours of uh, of uh, all the naysayers, all the climate deniers, all the climate deniers, uh, 
so informed so we can make informed decisions about moving forward with climate policy. So yeah. they created a whole new government department called the Climate Commission yes. in Canberra, uh, and it was their job to um, basically gather as much intel, accurate intel as possible and uh, have that intel tested and made sure it was independently checked and so they could just plainly put out the facts yes. about climate change. Yes. And a part... That seems like something would be sensible. It's something would be sensible. Like it's if the Nazis issue. were coming, you would probably have a Nazi commission right. to make sure... <laughs> The Nazis didn't come. And I feel like if there is an issue that affects the entire planet and there are still some questions over, having some sort of commission to examine those questions and keep up to date on the most relevant research does seem like it's sensible. Probably. Now, this thing. is the kind of lefty talk that will get me more emails and more editorials on Andrew Bolt's show. <laughs> you, you may think that the, the greatest moral challenge of our time deserves just a few uh, smart people in a room thinking about it. I let's see what that's what I think. Of, but apparently, that's crazy lefty talk. Uh, so Amanda McKenzie, she was in, instrumental in setting up the climate commission, and she's also been over the last few weeks instrumental in decommissioning the climate commission. Right. So we're going to be talking about the rise and fall of of because the new government in Australia has decided. That the new government in Australia uh, has decided that no, we don't need we don't nah. we don't need someone to tell us the end of world's happening. It's not happening because their policy is la 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 la. I'm not listening. Yeah, they're going to put their head in the sand and not worry about and it. And by the way, I hope they're right. <laughs> I need to point out. Yeah, I and, hope they're right. And I hope you're right too. I hope. I don't think they are, but I hope they are. Yeah. Never have I hoped that I was so wrong about anything. Because if you're wrong, Will, then it's going to be hell. <laughs> no, I'm happy to be wrong. Right. No, but that's that, that's the thing. Like, you know... I'm happy to be wrong. If the, if the world turns out to be okay and the future's fine yeah. and it doesn't fuck up everybody and kill everybody, I am more than happy to be wrong. Oh, no. This I... is one of those occasions where I hope that I am full of shit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it wouldn't be you. It would be 97% of scientists as well. Right. But people, so, scientists get things wrong. Like, now, this is not me making a counter-argument. I'm just saying sure. that it, they recently discovered some evidence that maybe even the Big Bang isn't as how science understood it. Um, when you go and uh, do the planetarium show at Griffith Park Observatory in LA, they run you through the history of the universe and they run you through various theories for the universe, some of which were around for 1,500 years before it was finally we had the technology to prove that that wasn't the case. Sometimes for years, like the Higgs boson, for example, that was a theory of science that was never, we never had the technology mm. to prove this theory. And it turned out that he was correct, mm. but it took them 20 years or 25 years or whatever it was from when he you know, and, came up with the idea. And a 25 kilometer track under the mountains of France. Right. But. Which is now filled with testicle fish. <laughs> This is what people don't tell you. That's where they got in. And so, they came in through the fucking Stargate that the Higgs boson created. It sucked in testicle-eating fish. It's a Stargate. Oh, here we go. Testicle-eating <laughs> fish from Mars. That's our first one. Testicle-eating fish from Mars, and then the sequel's testicle-eating fish in Paris and testicle-eating fish in Stockholm. It just makes me upset that... It makes me incredibly upset that our new government has turned out to be all the worst things that we could possibly that we could possibly think about. Well, I like to incredibly intellectual. I like to in our intellectual space. I I try to always judge actions, not possibilities. And what I mean by that is that I try to. Um, sorry, that's uh, my phone going off here now. Not soundproof. Good, good. Uh, I try to judge people's actions, not the possibility of what the actions will be. So. When the government was elected, my first thought was, okay, it's a clean slate now, and I will judge them based on whatever their actions are. And I was hopeful that all the worst things that people had predicted they were going to be would not be. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's part of it, like the meme is that Tony Abbott, who's the Prime Minister of Australia now, it has a bad reputation with women. You know, the people, there was the famous 
Julia Gillard misogyny speech. Sure. And, uh, you know, there's been, over the years, he said a bunch of things that people will quote, and you can find them very easily. Yeah. However... And if I, and I, and I, if I was in his position, I'd be um, really con- conscious about that, and I'd right. probably try and rectify But here's that. the thing. During the election campaign, he took all his daughters with him on tour, and the big thing was like, well, he has a family, yep. like, and it's filled, filled with women. Of course, he doesn't have a problem with women. Mm. And I am a person who subscribes to the idea that the best way for us to evolve as a society is to have the capacity to change our minds when we get better information. So, I don't judge people about what they said 20 years ago. I will take it into account when forming an opinion about their character. Mm. But if someone said something 20 years ago, I'm much more likely to judge them on what they did 20 days ago mm. and what their position is now because I understand that people do change their yeah, minds. absolutely. And they become better people. Yeah. Tony Abbott, our Prime Minister, has a gay sister. Maybe knowing that and being up close to that would change his mind about those sort of things. Mm. So I'm like, well, maybe they won't be you know, a government that is, it doesn't represent women well. And maybe they won't be a government that, you know, like maybe they will be a government when they get in and go, you know, we recognize that the planet is pretty important as well. And mm. even though we have disagreements about the best way to enforce that, we, <clears throat> we do think it's a concern. We just have a different way that we think we can address that concern that we think will be equally as effective. Mm. And they've been in a week, and <laughs> you appointed a ministry that has like one woman in it. Yeah. Uh, look, I have to. Def- and they uh, let me defend. Got rid of the climate change commission. In Tony Abbott's defence, women can't sign legislation in urine. Right. And have you ever <laughs> seen a woman build a cabinet? Am I right? <laughs> Who's with me? Who's with me? Who's with me? But this is, this is, here's okay. the thing. They got rid of a whole bunch of other right. ministries as well. Uh, got rid of climate change. Got rid of science. Wrap science up. Science is no longer... There's no longer a ministry for science. Since 1930. <laughs> We've had a science ministry. Science doesn't have its own... Science is gone. Uh, I, I think, you know, if you are going to stop the boats, then um, getting rid of tourism ministry is a good idea. You've right. got to stop advertising the place yes. to stop the boats and getting rid of the youth uh, ministry. That's a good idea, too, because let's face it, if there's if there's more, there's only one big problem right. that immigrants taking our jobs. It's young, young people, people taking our jobs. Coming here. Taking our jobs. They're coming, Will. They're coming for you. Yeah. They're coming for you. They're coming they for me. To take our jobs. They're coming to take our jobs. Get yeah. rid of the young people. So he's made some all right decisions. No, right. Now, but here's the thing. I do blame. I don't just blame the the ministry thing. Really, it was a very interesting issue to me because he appointed one woman to his ministry. Right, there's twenty odd people in the ministry, and uh, he's one is a woman. Now they say that they promoted on merit. Now it may well be the case that out of the people that they have available in their party, that is a correct statement. However. Going into an election, if you can't find a suitable amount of women with merit, that's you not doing your job properly, mm. right? Like, and you have to address that. But I also blame the Australian media because not once in that entire election campaign where people were being asked about their fucking flicking their hair and going for rides on bikes and, you know, gaffes about this and nonsense about this, did anyone say, uh, excuse me, you only have uh, two women currently in your shadow ministry, when you go into government, will that be a representative number that you have in your ministry? And then put that on the agenda, Mm. if that's going to be an issue. No one did. That question was not asked once by our fucking horrible, lazy, self-serving, groupthink, pack mentality media that just play politics more than they actually do their job anymore. I'm Will Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up after Will Anderson, Rachel Meadow tells you how to how to pot plant. Um, it shits me. Of course it, it does. It shits me that no one asked that question because that's a valid question and it was there. As they've said, these are the people who had the jobs before the election. Like they promoted one to be speaker, which means there's one less. Sure. Um, but, and one lost their seat. So I think they had three in the shadow ministry previously. One lost their seat, one got promoted to the speaker, which left them with one. But the point is that three wasn't enough. Why wasn't that question being asked? Why are not this side of politics finding women of merit? Because I'm telling you what, there is them. Women of calibre. Women of calibre. Yes, exactly. Anyway, we should wrap this up. Anyway. Banging on about politics at the end of it. So, where can people see Irrational Fear? Uh, at the Factory Theatre, Wednesday 25th. Uh, Sydney, this is. Sydney, in Sydney. yeah, in Sydney. Or oh, at Sydney Opera House on the 2nd and 3rd. 
Uh, third, the third show is not confirmed yet, but if it does, it'll be on Saturday. And where can people find you on the internet? Because you have a range of, you're a very like good uh, online person, so you have some bunch, of, uh, some uh, stuff around the place. I do. Uh, DanElick.com, DanElick on Twitter, DanElick on Facebook, uh, and I, I tweet all about media, uh, comedy, and Australian politics. Nice one. Now, I've, I've written on my uh, board up here uh, that I have to plug some things, <laughs> and I will always forget that. So I have to plug the PodFest, so LA Podcast Festival, um, from the uh, 2nd to the 4th. Uh, I will be over doing the first ever live faux fop. Hey, great. Yep. That's good. High five. High five. Surprisingly how much we high five on this podcast. <laughs> you really? That's 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 I think that's really wonderful. Uh, so um, it's the first ever live faux fop. My guests for the day will be Dave Anthony, who is regularly on this podcast. Uh, will be Rove McManus and uh, Graham Elwood from the Comedy Film Nerds. We're going to talk about Ben Affleck as Batman, among, <laughs> among other things that will uh, be on the conversation that day. Uh, and I have very special news, which is that uh, there's been heaps of people asking, can we get uh, new T-shirts? And because oh. I'm no good at everything, uh, Greg's company, uh, Estoy Merchandise, uh, Angelo and Greg, uh, they're doing a, um, a limited uh, T-shirt run uh with the everyone relax uh slogan on the front uh for the podcast festival so they'll be available um at the podcast festival for people who are at the podcast festival who come and see the show but they'll also be available in a limited run online the week before the podcast festival, so people can go online and find them on the story merchandise thing but i'll put that on the facebook page and twitter and stuff when they're actually up and about but uh people always ask you know is there going to be merch this is I wanted it to be something kind of fun and cool. I mean, I, I'm really not going to make any money out of this. It's literally just if people want a T-shirt for the podcast. So uh, if you want them, get in in that first week, and that'll give us an idea of how many to actually, you know, do. Uh, okay, so there was that That I have to mention my Goodwill dates. Uh, next Friday night at the uh, Enmore Theatre in Sydney is my final of the Sydney uh, City shows. Uh, my supports are Tom Ballard and uh, Sam Baring that night. Uh, I'm doing Chatswood, DY, Canberra, and uh, the Sutherland Shire. All the details will anderson.com.au. That'll do for now. I reckon that's enough <laughs> plugs for today. I've got a whole list of them, but I, I went down enough of them. Oh, I should mention that we're still part of the... Uh, well, we're still part. We recently joined the All Things Comedy Network. Hey! Um, so, big shout-out to those guys who have already been retweeting, retweeting quotes from the show and plugging it all over the place. Go over to All Things Comedy. Um, there's heaps of really unreal podcasts on that network. They're all comedy podcasts, obviously, and uh, they, they pick really cool stuff. So check out some of the podcasts on the All Things Comedy podcast network. Dan, do you have any final words? Well, can I just say it's an absolute privilege to join you in your faux hop booth. It's fantastic. I love it. So good. I'm so thrilled. <laughs> Thank I'm you, so Dan. Thrilled. I'd love you to come back when I have soundproofing. <laughs> My pleasure.